You know, the whole issue here on give, and of course there's other things involved on the video besides give, there's some things to buy. Uh, so many things competing for our pocketbook. Then we've got to have some sense about this thing. And that's one of the reasons that, that I chose to do a series on giving. And if this is your first Sunday at Renaissance, it's a very unusual Sunday for us because we never talk about giving. And, uh, and this is the first time in 30 years as a pastor that I've had a series on giving. And it, it, but my motivating factor was the fact that people just don't really know what the Bible teaches. They know what a lot of churches say, and I don't, I don't want to be critical, but I'm probably going to be. Um, but what's important is what the Bible teaches about this. And, uh, and it's very clear uh, on many different areas. So I want to jump right into that. Um, we started off two weeks ago, we talked about give as a four-letter word, um, and, and we talked about, well, who do you trust? We talked about how, how very difficult it can be sometimes to, to give when you're afraid of running out what you ha- when you're afraid of running out of what you have. It's very difficult to give what you're afraid of running out of. Um, and that's what it comes back to, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting for that? Last week we talked about how much is enough. One of the greatest hindrances to giving are are discontented people. You know, discontent people aren't giving people. Discontented people suck the life out of you, man. I mean, you know that. We've all had a few visits there. And what we need to understand is that true contentment, and we talked about this last week, and you can check it out online on the website, true contentment only comes in a relationship with God through, through Christ. This week, we're talking about obligation or offering. Is it an obligation or is it just an offering of, of who I am? We talk about this give. And, you know, this week, once again, I had another, found another illustration, another good reason why give gets that term or why we gave it that term, a four-letter word, why it gets so poisoned in the church. I was enjoying my bagel in the Wall Street Journal um, one day this week, and somebody just said my name, and it was somebody that comes to church here occasionally. They're also involved in another church in the area and have been for a long time, and uh, they do enjoy coming here, and we always love seeing, and a lot of you have been in that sort of, and are in that situation, and we just always appreciate people uh, checking us out, and we, we like that, encourage that. And um, anyway, and, and she was telling, we had a, she said and we had a long talk, and she was telling me how at her, the church that she's been involved with for a long time, um, how she pledged, nothing wrong with pledging, but they pledge, we don't usually do, we did that here for a couple times, a couple of years, we don't really pledge, no, nothing wrong with it, just not, just not the approach that we've taken, but she had, their, their family had pledged um, uh, so much money uh, to this church, and then of course, um, her, their situation has been affected greatly by what's happened this fall, and they can't fulfill that pledge. And you can imagine the rest of this story, and she's telling me how those people in that church, or uh, at least some of them, are sending her emails and phone calls, and when they see, say, hey, we're, you know, when are you going to give us the rest of that money you pledged? And they're like, we don't have it. You know, we, we got hit badly. And, um, and, they're just, and they're just merciless. Like, where is it? You know, you pledged it. You know, things happen. And we understand that. And, and that's a, one of the reasons right there that's, just, that's so wrong. You know, when someone's going through some tough times, if they can't go to church, for goodness sakes, and, and get some, some solace and some, some compassion and some comfort, where can they go? The bar? Maybe sometimes it's better. I don't know. I hope not. But in some cases, it might be. 
And, and that's, that, she was telling me, and I was just so, I just, I just want to say, who is it? I, I want to go find him. You know, I'm going to beat him up for you or whatever. You know, you had that thing come out in you, I guess. But, but it's just, it just so, it just angers you so much when you hear, particularly when you're so involved just in church like I am, because it, it just gives all of them a bad name. It gives all of us a bad name. That's why give has become a four-letter word, mainly uh, so many times in church-type related things. So I want to just tackle that, and I want to, I want to begin with this. Uh, I, I ended last week with a quote from Socrates. I'm going to begin with one today, just, just so good. It just says so much about what we're talking about here. If a man is proud of his wealth, he should not be praised until it is known how he employs it. just says it all. And um, we're going to talk about that, of employing one's wealth however little or however much that might be. So what does God want from me? That's what I want to know. What does God want from me? What does God want from me to be a righteous believer? What does he want? Does he want some, some, some churches? I was raised in a church, for instance, where they said, I remember vividly as a young man, uh, as a boy, the, the minister talking about everybody here needs to give a tithe. Everybody here needs to give a tithe. And he was very... Uh, impassioned about that and so forth. So finally, of course, I asked the normal question of my dad because I was never that good with numbers. Uh, what's a tithe? And, uh, and he told me it's 10% and so forth. Um, is, that what, is that what we're supposed to do is give 10%? Is that what the Bible demands? Or is that, you know, th- there's one thing. A lot of people would say that's a good place to start. I, no argument there. Uh, but is that what the Bible teaches? Let's, let's talk about a tithe for just a second because I wanna, it, it's, a, it's taught in the Old Testament. And I want to just show you, I'm going to take, this, I don't usually do this, I'm going to take a, just an excerpt from a commentary, because it just keeps it nice and succinct for us, and it helps us understand this whole thing of tithe. What is it, and what is it involved? Um, this is from the Bible Knowledge Commentary. The, the tithe was literally a tenth of all produce and livestock which the people possessed. And this is a scripture reference. A tithe was to be given to the Levites, who in turn were to give a tithe of the tithe to the priest. Now, the Levites were one of the 12 tribes of Israel, and out of those Levites came the priest, and the priests were the, we would call them the clergy today. And, and they, the best way to probably expand, uh, explain this would be, we have separation of church and state in this country. Uh, it was the exact opposite at this particular culture. It was all mixed together. And, and the Levites were really, you know, part of the government in a sense. You still had a king and so forth. But um, it was not a democracy. It was, it was more what you would call a theocracy. Um, but that's what's going on here. So a tenth is going to go to these Levites and the priests who are part of the Levites, come out of the Levites. That's one. Okay. Now, second thing, the Israelites were also, another tenth now, were to bring a tithe of their produce and animals and eat, and, and eat it with the Levites before the Lord in Jerusalem as an act of festal worship. These are what we call the national feasts and holidays that the, that the Jewish culture would have. Passover, for instance, and everybody would come together for a big party and it'd be paid for by the 10% that they had set aside, the tithe that they had set aside for that year. So it'd be a big national, they had like the Passover, they had the Festival, festival of the Trumpets, they had fest, Festival of Tabernacles, they had all kinds of national feasts that were part of, the, of Judaism at that particular time. So, we got a tenth for the Levites, we got a tenth for these, for these national feasts and holidays, and then we have one more tenth. Now, where's that? What's this next thing? Also, every third year, a tithe, another tenth, was to be stored up in the towns for, uh, excuse me, in the towns for Levites, strangers, widows, and orphans. 
So it's sort of, let me finish this. While their word offerings may refer to offerings in general, it seems to refer here to those portions of the offerings as well as those portions of the tithes designated for the priest. And then also in that, when he talks about the orphans and the strangers, it's sort of a welfare program. So we have a tenth every three years for that. So we've got a tenth for the Levites. We've got a tenth for the National Feast and Holidays. A tenth every three years for the Levites as well as the, the less fortunate, the, the, the orphans and the widows. So pretty easy math there. 23 and a third percent was an Old Testament tithe. So is that what we do? Do we give a 23 and a third percent? I want you to know as the pastor here, I highly encourage you giving 23 and a third percent. And it can be of your gross or it can be of your net. I don't care. (laughs) That's always the next thing. Well, if you give, is it it gross or is it net? Um, You know, here's, so what does the Bible teach? Let's go to the Old Testament, and then we'll go to the New Testament. This is your lucky day. I'm going to show you what the Bible teaches, all right? And uh, in the words of the Bible, it's very, very clear, I believe. Proverbs chapter 3 puts it like this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything your land produces. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with the finest wine. Honor the Lord from your wealth, with your wealth. You say, is that 10%? 10 is a good place to start, maybe. But he doesn't really give a percentage here, does he? He says, honor the Lord. For some, that might be 30%. For some, that might be 50%. One guy, R.G. Letourneau, back in the 40s, he was one of these guys that was one of the big developers of some of this big earth-moving equipment. And he would, uh, it became known later that he would give, he didn't brag about it, but it became known later that he would actually give 90% of his income and live on 10%. Now, obviously, we're talking a pretty huge, we're talking Warren Buffett type of numbers here. But, you know, that was, that was what he ended up doing. So, so you say, well, how do I determine that? Stay tuned, all right? Um, New Testament puts it this way, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. You plan it. You think about it. It's not just out of your surplus. He says the first day of the week. I think the spirit of that, it might be for some of you of the month. For some of you, it might be of the year because of the way you're, the way you're paid. However that works. I don't think you need to get hung up on whether it's a week or the month or the day. The point is you set it aside. It's not just out of what you have left. You set it aside. And, and uh, it, it's, you know, the end of that verse, you know, so, so the no, no collections be made when I come. So what's the biblical standard of giving? You know, that's something you're going to have to, dare I say it, pray about. Let me show you something. There's one example here, or there's several examples in the Bible, I'm going to show you one, where somebody gave more than 10%, more than 23 and a third percent. Watch this, this is Luke chapter 21. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So what he's saying is she's given everything she has. These other people were just giving out of their surplus. Now, you're going to have to deal with that and figure that out where you are in that whole 
I'm not suggesting you give everything that you have, although some people do, and they do, I don't know, they will do other things, you know? But that's just an example that Jesus gives there with, with his widow. Um, see, here's the thing about giving. I, I'm getting into some, some really important issues here. Here's, here's the most important part about giving, right? This is the most important part about this. this, this, this it, all, it all rises and falls right here. This is the most important part what I'm going to show you. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The, the, one main, the one main thing about giving, get this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing and the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. They gave more than we had hoped. For their first action, watch this, watch this. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. That was their first action. The point here is effective giving begins when you give your life to Christ. Not the other way around. That's why you hear us say this all the time around here whenever we talk about giving, and that is, if you're visiting with us or if you're just exploring your faith, don't give. Don't, you know, just walk by the offering box. Don't even think about it. Because we're not, we're not here to get your money. We're here to talk about Christ. And that's the most important thing. What does that mean, you say, when you give your life to Christ? That's when you come to grips with the fact that Jesus came and he lived and he suffered and he died and rose again, and he did that for you and he did that for me. And when I come and say, and, and sometimes it's in a process over several months, sometimes years, sometimes one particular moment I can think of, people, some people can think of, I can't, where they can say, I know the day and the night and the time that I gave my life to Christ. Good. It might be that way for them. For you, it, uh, others might be a process. But the point here is, don't miss, the, don't miss the concept of when one comes to Christ, he gives, she gives his or her life to him. I want to live for you. I want, to li- I want to honor you with how I live. I want to honor you with how I give. I want to honor you with all that I am. That's, that's, that's where it begins. If you miss that, don't give. Don't. Because then if you do, you get this thing I call a spiritual inoculation. People give their money and they think, well, I'm doing something. And they never deal with the fact, hey, what have I done with my life? I, sh- I can assure you, I speak with the authority of Scripture, God's far more concerned about your life. And so many times people will give, and, and, and some, some impassioned somebody will get people to give and do it so effectively, and they haven't dealt with the heart issues. And that's so far more important, so much more important. Effective giving begins when one gives their life to Christ. That's why we're here. This totally takes away any motivation forgiving so that we can get to heaven or forgiving so that we can somehow earn God's greater favor. Let me just tell you this real quick. If you never give one red dime the rest of your life to this church or any church or anything God-related, he loves you just as much as if you did. He loves you just as much as if you did. Because God loves you, Jesus loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And any giving that you do isn't out of, it should never be out of a motivation. I want to get more of God's love. I want to get more of his favor. You already have all that you can possibly have right now. And you need to, you need to hear that very, very clearly. These people in Corinthians, they gave their money after they gave their lives to Christ. After. Huge issue there. 
Giving was the result of their standing with God, their acceptance by God. Giving was the result of that. It was not an attempt to earn that. And, and this, is where, this is where the church, I mean, this is where it's really screwy. I mean, so many people think that by giving, there's somehow I'm going to, you know, earn something better and greater and deeper. With You're not. You give because you've been blessed, because God has given to you, and because God has, God has saved your soul. That's why you give. Not because you're trying to earn something. You don't have to earn. You don't have to do that. Now, let me, let me show you this. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm really feeling compassionate today, so I'm going to give you the, the three most important things you need to know about, about giving. Three most important things about how much to give. Right here. You got, you're going to get it right here. Right now. All right? Not going to cost you anything extra. You know, just boom. There you go. Three most important lessons regarding how much to give. You want this? You ready for this? Yeah. All right. Thanks. Well, yeah. <laughs> not, not as much enthusiasm as I wanted, but I'll take it. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Here we go. Three most important lessons regarding how much to give. Number one, God wants 100% of you. Lesson number two. God wants 100% of you. Lesson number three, God wants 100% of you. You know that? Thank you. <laughs> Didn't happen in the other two services. Um, <laughs> um, you, know that, you know that old thing? That old, we have a few real estate people in here. Well, you know, I guess we're all real estate people in one way or another. You know, what's, what's, what's the thing about real estate? Location, location, location. There you go. What's the thing about giving? God wants 100% of you. He wants 100% of you. He wants 100% of you. Think about it. If God has 100% of you, guess what comes with that? Yeah. Your money, your talents, your gifts, who you are. That's what God wants. It's, 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 it's the whole package. Um, God doesn't want just some going through the motions just to, just to give you a percentage, just to give him a percentage. Point being, when God has our hearts... He's got everything else. I, I, I have to show you this, uh, one last thing from the Bible. Because, you know, we're to be disciplined in our giving. We're set it aside. The Bible says set it aside. First day of the week or the month or whatever it is for you. But, there's, but, he, but, he, but with that discipline comes something else that, that's just kind of a foreign concept to people today. I'll explain it, but let me just show you in 2 Corinthians, a little further down the passage we were in earlier. Let's go a little further into the next chapter. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9 Watch this very carefully. Watch this carefully. This is going to shock you. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Did you get that? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean every time I do this, I'm giddy? Not necessarily. It, 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 it means, here's how I'd break this, here's how I would put it, okay? Here's how I would say it as a, as a pastor, okay? I would say this, here's what I would like to be going through your mind, something like this, when, when you give, most of the time, obviously, we have different emotions and different, you know, and there's a discipline involved. But, but generally, this, I'd love to have this going on in your mind when you give. To, just, we'll just talk about Renaissance for now. Um, and that would be something like, 
You know, Lord, as you're praying, Lord, I want to give to I want to give to Renaissance. It's such they they've blessed me in so many ways. They 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 blessed my family, my kids. And I get I get I get so much there, and I, I get you know connected, and it helps me get inspired and connected in my faith. And I just love that so much, and I want it to be here, and I want it to continue for a long, 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 long time, and, and I want to be a part of that because it's just so good. I just I want to I want to be able to do that, Lord, just so so great. You know, that's that's what I, that's how I'm interpreting the cheerful part. Now, something like that. Now you say, but but does that does that mean that I don't ever look at the, it, something happened to me um, uh, two or three weeks ago? You know, it's income tax time, and somebody said to me, "Do you give till it hurts?" And I said, I don't know what that means. Do I give till it hurts? And he said, do you ever look back at this time of the year when you're getting your taxes together, do you ever look back at how much you've given and think, gee, what else could I have done with that money? I said, you know, I've never had that thought till just now. Thanks for that. I appreciate that a whole lot. I, it's the truth. I had, I, I, I've never thought that. But I said, but now I am, and I'm like, I don't really need that thought. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm not saying that, that sometimes you won't think, well, you know, I could have, but you know what? That's beside the issue. Sure, I could have bought this, or I could have done this, or I could have gone here, or could have whatever. That's not the point. The point is, I'm a part of something that, that's really making a difference, and something that I can bring my friends to, that can make a difference in their lives. You know, that's the issue here. And, of course, the giving is more than just money, isn't it? I said it two weeks ago, God's not just after our money, certainly. He wants us to be giving people. Big difference there. He wants us to be giving people. Let me show you one last thing. I've got to stop. Let me show you one last quote from a, um, a female monk, Julian of Norwich, lived around the 1300s, early 1400s. Um, took a sort of a hermit, a mystic, Christian, they called them mystics back then, and uh, didn't, didn't, didn't get out much, but wrote a lot of good stuff. Um, and this particular thought is really good. I just thought it was perfect for this. A cheerful giver does not count the cost of what he gives. His heart is set on pleasing, look at this, and cheering him to whom the gift is given. He's not thinking about anything else other than, I'm not earning anything. I'm, I'm honoring God with what I have. Actually, it's really not mine anyway. It's all his. He's just loaned it to me to be a steward of. And I'm, and I'm honoring God by giving it back. Both the money, the time, the talents, the gifts, whatever else I have. Now, that's the issue. How much do I give? God wants 100% of you. You deal with that. And you deal with him and those closest to you. Pray about it. Think about it. Talk with your husband or wife or somebody close to you about it. Something, it's something that needs to be thought through and prayed about, not just done blindly. God loves you more than you can imagine. You're never going to earn his, his love because he already loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And he wants 100% of you. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the humbling truth that we see here. Help each one of us to stop and reflect and to pray and maybe to take some time in the coming days to really dwell on this subject as to what, what we should be doing and giving and whatever else is involved with that. 
we pray for that, and we thank you for the... In spite of all that's going on around us, we thank you, God, that you've blessed us in ways that uh, are just immeasurable. And we pray especially, God, that we would be um, sensitive of that and good stewards of what you do give us and how you have blessed us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.